You are listening to the Blooming Inspired Podcast Network. We exist to empower the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive through podcast community. Now, here is your host. Blooming Inspired Podcast, equipping and empowering the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive. Good morning. This is Michelle Bentham, host of Blooming Inspired Podcast. I'm continuing my conversation in my interview with Karen DeArmond Gardner. She's the upcoming author of a book called Crack the Silence. It is in the process of publication right now, and we're expecting it to be out sometime in the near future. So keep your eye on Karen's Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash crack the silence, or um, Visit her at CrackTheSilence.com to keep updates on when her book is coming out and what her future holds. Um, She shares deep insights into the dynamics of abuse and domestic violence, and she also brings insight and wisdom and ways to um, walk out of that. And so as we continue the conversation today, sharing our stories, I pray that you would um, be able to see clearly why you are listening and what God would have you do with the information you're hearing today. And if you are in domestic violence, please reach out to the hotline.org. That's the hotline.org for the domestic abuse hotline to get the help that you need. Now here's the rest of the story for today. And so as we're speaking this out, I just want you who are listening to listen to this and think about, is this you? Is this someone you know? Is there someone you know that may be in a relationship where there are big red flags, where they don't feel like they have choices, where they make excuses for things that happen, where they lie to you about things that happen, that maybe you need to be praying about an open door for a conversation to help them? And Karen is going to talk a little bit about that process Mm -hmm. forward because I think people saw this in your life too, didn't they? Mm. Well, no. Oh no. This was was such a family secret because after we had been married a few months, we moved from California and we moved back to his home state. Oh, gotcha. And so I became extremely isolated except for his family. Um, And uh, so I did not see my family often in the 30 years that we were married i probably saw my family like maybe 15 times like every couple of years i got to see them and sometimes it was longer than that right um and and part of the conditioning is they um through the marriage like things didn't progress fast now some people as soon as they get married it goes um, pardon my French, but it goes to hell in a handbasket. Right. They it immediately start, start hitting. Yes, it can start very quickly. They either start hitting or the or the um or some that on their honeymoon they start calling them names like you're a slut, you're this, you're that, and they'll start calling you names. Um and and so it just it just depends. Every situation is different, but the end result is we all end up battered and bruised. Uh, physically and emotionally and spiritually. And the mental and the emotional scars for me are much harder to overcome than the physical things that happen. Yes, yes, 
um, a, a friend of mine, her cousin, who when I met her, she was 71 and she was married to someone that was emotionally and uh, verbally abusive. And she goes, I just wanted to hit me so it would end because at least it would stop for a little bit. And, and that is true when you would rather get hit than the, the emotional and the verbal barrage because that statement, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's, it's a lie. absolute lie. Lie. Yep. It, they, the words will destroy you. I got over the physical pain long before it was the verbal and getting rid of the lies that he spoke about me became so much a part of who I was. I couldn't tell what was me and what wasn't. Yeah, absolutely. I know what you mean. Um, because I've lived under the, 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 I'd lived under it. I don't live under it anymore, mm -hmm. but I had lived under the shadow of how many times he called me a stupid bee, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and I wasn't stupid mm -hmm. and he would tell me things that, that let me know that he didn't think I was stupid, but I, I heard it so many times when he was angry or when he was trying to hurt me, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so I couldn't, I couldn't separate what was really happening mm -hmm. from the lie he was telling me to mm -hmm. control me and shut me down emotionally so that he could have his way. Right. Yes. And, and it is all about them getting their way. And, and, and then when they accuse you of things that you've never done, right. it took me a long time to figure out when I was getting accused of something, it was because he was doing it. Right. And uh, Tom and I just talked about this was it last night or this morning. And I said, I always knew when he was cheating because mm -hmm. he would accuse me of cheating. And, wow. and then it turns out it was really him. And so, and that's also a whole there, that's a dynamic that if you read anything about abuse and trauma, it's, I swear they all read a manual and they all follow it going, what am I going to do today? And they look in the manual and because it's, it's over and over and over. And many women have married the same guy over and over again, but just have different skin and different names. And I, I had two. Yeah. I, I didn't marry the second one. He ended up putting me in the hospital before we got married, but we were engaged. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and it's, um, and, and some women that may be listening, you may think I wouldn't put up with that for five minutes. And I'm going to tell you that this has happened to some pretty powerful women. There's a, um, Ted talk of a woman who was a CEO. Like she was, she was, she was powerful. She yeah. was powerful and ended up and in, in an abusive marriage. And uh, if I remember correctly, he held a firearm to her head every day for two years. And, and so it's any one of us could fall into this because of that trauma bonding of someone, finally someone sees me. I had been, I didn't date much. I had a lot of guys around that, you know, they would like me and I would like them, but there was never anything serious. And more often than not, I liked boys and they didn't like me. And, well, and so I, this, would, I would suggest to you, Karen, that because I, I thought that very same thing mm -hmm. when I was a teenager, I thought mm -hmm. nobody was interested. Nobody liked me. And as an adult, I ran into boys I went to school with mm -hmm. who would tell me, 
we were all interested. We just thought you were too good for us. Oh, wow. And I was like, and any of you could have had me for a song, <laughs> you know, like back then, because I was so desperate for affirmation uh -huh. and I was mm -hmm. so desperate to mm -hmm. be like everybody mm -hmm. else who had a boyfriend, which is part of what put me in the position of being a single mom. And mm -hmm. then as a single mom, that stigmatism of boys saying she's really great and she's pretty, but she has a kid. Mm -hmm. So I marry the first guy that comes along and pays attention and wants a relationship with my son, not necessarily me. Mm -hmm. And I know he's dysfunctional because I've been over to his dad's apartment. I've heard the things his dad says to him and I've heard his stories about his dad. And still I'm thinking I, if I love him enough, he'll be good to me and this will all work. Mm -hmm. I never can once considered would, did he love me enough not to hurt me, not to do things, you know, because mm -hmm. I grew up in a home where emotional, volatile arguments were happening all the time. And this is nothing against my parents. They did what they knew to do. Um, mm -hmm. We've, we've come through so much of that. They're still alive. I live close to them, see them almost every day, but like, we don't realize what the effect that has on us until we're adults. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's, it's really hard to turn, stop the train and turn it around and get it to move in a different direction. After years of experiencing, I thought that's what love looked like. Mm -hmm. I thought you fight like hell, just to use a graphic term, mm -hmm. you fight like hell and then you make up after. Yeah. And yeah. there's the good days and there's the bad days and that's yes. marriage. Yes. And I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised to believe that, that marriage is forever. And so you don't believe you have a way out. And you he don't. wasn't even a believer. I didn't even and know to wasn't. ask, you know, yeah. like, I didn't even know to ask if he was a believer. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and believe it or not, there's a biblical dynamic in what you just talked about. Yeah. Because first of all, we get at the fall and, and God who did not curse Adam and the woman, she wasn't That's Eve right. yet. The woman was said that she would always desire after a man. Mm -hmm. And, and what we keep forgetting is that's over with. Cause when Jesus died and rose again, he killed that. It's as if Genesis three never happened. We that's are right. no longer bound by that statement. And then the other part is Peter. Peter tells us, I love Peter. He's one of my favorites, but I still don't understand. Um, first Peter three, because there's that dynamic that we have to accept the authority of our husbands if they don't obey and live godly lives that we will win them over by living a pure and reverent life and not to be concerned about the outward side i was always concerned about my outward side that was my mask my right. shield. i protected myself with what i look like um and That's you Clothe yourself and say with beauty that comes from within. Well, when your beauty inside is all messed up, that's really hard. You got to depend on. Isn't the that the truth? If you, if, the, if you already have these crappy lies tattooed over your mirror and your heart, mm -hmm. and you don't see yourself as you really are, you see yourself no. as insufficient, inadequate, ugly. You know yeah. all of the things that people tell you. Mm -hmm. You are right, and then you you add to that handicaps like getting pregnant when you're 17 and having a baby, which I did, or, you know, being sexually abused in your past, which was also true for me. 
and, and true to your story, mm -hmm. you add these things that, that make you feel less than mm -hmm. normal, less right. than, and nobody's normal. Like nobody. Yeah. Our friend Laura says, I want to take normal out of the dictionary mm -hmm. and stop using it as a word because no one's normal. No. And I think that that's a very valid point is that, and we all have some level of brokenness. It's just what we do with it. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And the truth is, is that if you're abused, you're more likely to abuse going forward. Yes. You the know? thing is, is, is uh, my ex-husband was not abused. He was never abused. He saw his father hit his mom one time and his dad never did it again. And, and, um, and one time was enough. Yeah. And, and, but, but it was a history because his grandfather was also, and yeah. then, and then he got saved and he didn't anymore, but there was still like this generation, but he was also number four. He was supposed to be a girl and it turns out mom didn't really like boys and she had four of them. So he was a, probably emotionally neglected by his Oh mom. yes, I'm, yeah. I'm quite sure. I'm quite sure that. But, but back to that, our biblical conditioning, when we've grown up in the Christian home, even though I didn't start till later right. uh, in my life, it's what we learn uh, as wives, you know, that, that we can win our husbands over and the enemy has twisted that in all of us that and the church is twisted it. the I'm church is twisted. Out loud. oh yes the church is so twisted this the high value uh, for the institution of marriage yes. is a very dangerous thing it's a very dangerous thing and so you've got you've got peter giving us six verses on how we're supposed to do all these things in the right way and then call him master i'm like what now, um <laughs> but, but i want to i want to just add to that because as as you study that out in the jewish culture mm -hmm. it was because the women were he was warning the women not to sew their jewelry into their clothes and braid it into their hair because that was their wealth. They would take mm -hmm. their dowries and sew it into their clothing. So if their husband decided one day to come home and say, you're out, they wouldn't be destitute and have to mm -hmm. live as prostitutes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and so he was saying, don't worry after taking care of yourself because the, the intention was to say, God's going to take care of you. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's that not is, the way we read it. And that's, that's not the way yeah. it's thought. It's not the way we're reading. And if you think about uh, somebody who's just sitting at home and they're reading through mm -hmm. the word and, and you've got all this rich st um, uh, words coming out of Peter and then you get to that one and it, it becomes a way of life and you think you have to protect this at all That's costs. Right. Um, when we read the scriptures, it says, hey, we're going to suffer and suffer is, suffering is momentary light affliction. And so we really think, oh, well, I guess this is my lot in life since I chose this. This is my suffering for Jesus. And I'm telling you, domestic violence is not suffering for Jesus. That's right. And it is even, not. And there's a biblical example, Abigail and Nabal. Oh, yes. You yes. know, Nabal was an abusive man. He yes. cared very little for his household and only for serving himself. Mm -hmm. yep. And he... And he was willing to let his household suffer by mm -hmm. refusing the king. They yes. could have killed them all. Yeah. And he put them all at risk. But Abigail was a faithful wife and went and provided for the king and asked for 
forgiveness for her husband. And the next morning he was dead. Yes. Well, <laughs> Not um, because the king killed him, but because he just died. <laughs> he just died. He drank and ate too much. Well, let me yeah. give you another one. David and Saul. Yep, that's true. It was okay for David to run when Saul threw a spear at him and to run and hide as Saul attempted to hunt him down to kill, kill him. him. But yet women are supposed to stay in the marriage. But yet it was okay for a man to run, but it's not okay for a woman to run. Isn't that the truth? Yes. And, and so, and I love this. I mean, it, it, there's powerful stuff in the Bible, but anything in the scripture, the enemy will want to twist those scriptures. Including Matthew 19, which is where Jesus is questioned about divorce by the Pharisees. And he tells them, you don't rightly understand what you're asking about. Right. Because they ask why Moses was permitted to grant divorces. Right. And he was like, you don't understand that Moses was permitted to grant divorce because of the hardness of men's heart against women. In other words, abuse. Mm. Women yeah. were, it was to protect the women and they turned it around and used it as a way to even further abuse women. Right. And I've heard a preacher talk about the woman at the well. Yes. Her I can sin tell. no longer satisfied her. I was like, was it her um, sin or someone yeah. else's sin? And no. she just left with a consequence of now she's been divorced. Yeah. So she either has to live with the man unmarried to be taken care of. Yeah. Because the culture didn't take care of the women. Yes. And, and, the, and that's just it. We have to, when we look at the woman at the well, we've been taught from a man's perspective and I am not bashing men because I have a fabulous one. I love men. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know amazing men. And, but we are taught from a very patriarchal point of view. That's the right. woman at the well, Jesus didn't look at her and see her sin. He saw her husband's sin. Yeah. Um, because women had no voice. They had no right to get a divorce. They, they had no right. No to autonomy at all. It, no. It's no, nothing. And so when Jesus, who went out of his way to make sure to talk to her, um, and we, nobody else would, when nobody, nobody else, would. else would, and we've assigned, um, a tone of voice to what Jesus is saying that I don't think is there because of who we know Jesus her. is. He was That's full right. of compassion and love. And so if you think about her, she's had no life. She was most likely sold off to some man when she was so young. You know, she could have been as young as 12 when she was married off. Mm -hmm. And then when he got tired of her, or maybe he died because sometimes they were older. They didn't have a long lifespan. Very, very true. It may and, not have been abuse or sin. It may have No, been it just death. could be death. And so she, and it, <laughs> let's face it, it could go back. Let's go back to the Old Testament where um, Tamar and Judah, where she was married to Judah's son, which is Joseph's half-brother, mm -hmm. and the son died. And so then she married the next one, and the next one didn't like that idea. So God no, he died. The second died. one died. They both of them died. Yeah. And then he said, oh, because there was a rule that if there you were married and you had no children. You had to give your brothers to wife. You had your brothers. Which when I think about in my previous situation, it like gave, gave me the creeps when I read that the first time. 
Um, um, yeah, it'll mess you, like it'll mess you up if you don't understand what's happening. If you don't understand. And so it's even possible for her that she was in that type of situation. We don't know. All we know is she had no say about her life. And we know by time. And she had she, been ostracized by her. She'd been ostracized. And, and so she had no husband. And the last one could have gotten rid of her without even giving her a writ of divorce. And her only covering was to be with a man. Otherwise, mm -hmm. she was a prostitute. And so again, here she is with this guy. And when I hear what Jesus is saying to her, I don't hear condemnation about, about her sin. I hear him saying that he sees what she lived through, what yeah. her life was like. Because think about it. When she got done, when, when she the disciples, told me everything I ever did. <laughs> yes. Here's all the disciples come back. And I think her and Jesus are still locked eye to eye. She suddenly drops her jug because I think it just dawns on her that she knew that he knew what her life and she ran. And if she ran in and said, Hey, everybody come meet the man that saw all my sin. Mm -hmm. That's not what she said. Come and meet me everything the man I've ever, done. ever done. Everything that's ever happened to me, come meet the man. And it was so compelling. They all, the people that would, the whole town it, got saved. Ran and so it, it can't be because of her sin that they ran. It was because of the compassion and love of Jesus who saw this woman as no one ever saw her. And he also, also what he said to her compelled her to mm -hmm. go and talk to people who would not normally yes. even give her the time of day. Yes. Yes. So it empowered her. Yes. An encounter and, with Jesus yes. empowers her. You. Yes. It doesn't shut you down or tell you to just put up with things mm -mm. that are hurting you. Mm -mm. Right. Absolutely not. And, and so in understanding the scripture and how to, because so many women have said, Oh, I identify with her because I've been married this many times or, um, you know, I had sex outside of marriage. So I'm like the woman at the well. No, no, Nope. Not you, necessarily. Not necessarily. We've been, because we've been taught this from a patriarchal view, instead of looking at it, all of Jesus's encounter with women were full of compassion. And they were full of love and they caused, and they spurred devotion. Yes. And they and gentle. Him. He was gentle. He would like, I see that when he says to her, he has to acknowledge what she's hiding. Mm-hmm because he knows she's afraid of him. Yeah. Because if she exposes herself to him, he's going to reject her. Yeah. So he beats her to it and tells mm -hmm. her what he already knows mm -hmm. and then gives her hope. Yes. He doesn't expose her sin. Mm -mm. He covers her sin with mm -hmm. the hope of who he is. Yeah. And we don't, and, and we have not, I mean, cause I've been in freedom and biblical counseling a long time and I never have heard language until recently about protecting injured parties in marriages. Mm -hmm. The church protects marriage. It doesn't protect people. No, it does not. The institutional church. Now I know there right. are great churches out there and, yes. and like we were, you and I both were a part of a church 
that protected women. They, if a woman was in an abusive situation, they could hook her up with a lawyer and they could help her walk through that process um, if they thought that she needed to be protected. Mm-hmm. But not every church has that mindset. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And I remember very distinctly being on staff at a church and they, they brought me a woman that no one had been able to minister to because they thought she was out of control when in fact she was married to a narcissist who Mm -hmm. was manipulating and controlling her. And then when they went in and sat with people, he looked absolutely normal and she looked insane. Yes. And that's the the whole other dynamic is, is that's what he does. He will rile them up and make them so crazy, gaslight them, which again, here's another word. And there's a movie that I'd like to rewatch that sometime um, from the forties um, about gaslighting. And, and, and I look back and I, the Lord's gaslighting for those who don't know. Gaslighting is, Oh, I'm not sure. Like if I can give you like, a, it's when you take the details yes, and they're yes, true and you, but twist you twist them. them and manipulate mm-hmm. them to make it sound like it's either their fault or like it didn't yes. happen the way they remember it. Right. Yes. And it even goes to like one time, uh, the clock in our kitchen and, um, and something was wrong with it. It was like, um, it was, something was backwards or it was doing something different. And I thought, what the heck happened? I mean, I thought it was demonic. I thought what was going on and, and he it, had changed the time. On the he clock. had done something to the clock to where it would not work correctly. And I figured that out years later, never owned it up. Um, but little things to where you like moving something and like, you know, it was there and they're I like, swear, hide, and there's all so many different ways um, for it to look like, but yes, if you tell a story and then they would correct you and say, no, no, that's not how it happened. Um, and so, and so there, I mean, it, it is, it was one of the most, it makes you feel like one, you can't remember things and two, you're crazy that you're crazy. And, and I, um, I know of women who, um, he had, he had hounded her, had badgered her, had gaslighted her, had so emotionally traumatized her that she attempted to end her life. Mm-hmm. And it was really him trying to kill her by her own hand. Mm-hmm. And, and thank you, Jesus, that he rescued her and that did not happen. But, but even now people think she's the crazy one because he looks all normal and calm and, and, and she's like, she's at the end. She can't do anything anymore. She hasn't got a, her sound mind (laughs) is gone. Um, and, and And it takes a long time to walk out of that. Like willing to walk with you for a long time, long time to help you see and untangle what happened mm-hmm. to your heart yes in the in a process like that well that's all the time we have for today but be sure to tune in next week on the 18th as we continue this conversation with Karen DeArmond Gardner she's cracking the silence on domestic abuse and domestic violence talking about her um, experience as a 30 year abuse survivor and how God has walked her through um, 
to places of overcoming in the last 15 years and just the wisdom that he's given her as she's researched this book and, and she's begun to discover the dynamics of abuse and how, um, how it works and how women and men both who are suffer abuse are affected um, by abusive spouses, abusive family members. And so with that said, I want to just close out today's show reminding you that if you find yourself listening to the show and think, I may be in a situation where I am suffering from domestic abuse, ask for help. Go to a pastor at church. Go to... um. Go to a counselor, get some help, get some perspective. If you're in immediate danger, dial 911. Dial 911. Go to a hospital. Get assistance now. The statistics are high that the escalation of abuse over time often leads to very severe and detrimental consequences to spouses and families. If you need to call, call 1-800-799-SAFE, 1-800-799-SAFE, and that's 1-800-799-7233. If you go to their website, thehotline.org forward slash help, there's a chat now button as well as um, a phone number for the hearing impaired and the phone number's there on the website. That's the National Domestic Violence Hotline. And um, there, Karen has led groups called Mending the Soul. Check out Mending the Soul. See if it's right for you. See if you can find a group in your area. You can certainly reach out to Karen on her Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash crack the silence. You can reach out to us here at Blooming Inspired Network by visiting facebook.com forward slash Blooming Inspired or visiting our website, bloominginspirednetwork.com and clicking the contact link at the top of the page. If, if anything else, I pray that you hear that there's hope after you've lived through abuse. There can be hope for healing in the marriage, but there can also be hope if you have to leave and if you have to get a divorce and you have to move forward. And God will deliver you from all of these things. His heart is not that you would have to suffer, but his heart is that you would be safe. Actually, the name Jesus, which is Savior, means to be safe. He wouldn't want you to suffer in silence and pain. He would want you to crack the silence, step out and get help with the abuse. And we're cracking the silence and Blooming Inspired Network this month, sharing the voice of Karen DeArmond Gardner and her story of 30 years of living with an abusive spouse until she finally divorced and has walked out the last 15 years, finding her hope, her healing, and her kinsman redeemer and her current husband who is a bodyguard. <laughs> Isn't God sweet that way? So with that said, I want to go ahead and close out the show today. Remind you that we do have Bible study on Saturday. We've been having some problems. I was off the grid last weekend and couldn't get it uploaded. Um, but this weekend, I will be sharing um, the Bible study message live on Facebook. We'll be in Luke chapter 10. And uh, don't forget to check out the Accidental Hope podcast. It'll be airing tomorrow. Um, and Jennifer shares you know, inspiring guests and thought-provoking conversations around finding hope after you've been through an accidental 
loss or trauma. And so with that said, um, I want to remind you, as I always do, that blooming where you're planted is the first step to living your wildest dreams. So live your lives blooming alive. You have been listening to the Blooming Inspired Podcast on the Blooming Inspired Podcast Network. This show airs each Tuesday. For more information about this show, its network, or how to be a guest on the Blooming Inspired Podcast, please visit bloominginspirednetwork.com and click the podcast link at the top of the page.